This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Friday, June 23rd of 2018, it's bonus episode 15. In this episode, Jenny, Peter, and Tyler, aka Churcher, recap and report on Fear the Con 2018 from their hotel room in Brentwood, Missouri. Hey folks, Grant here. Just a quick audio note. This episode was recorded in a hotel room just after Fear the Con 2018 wrapped up, and the audio conditions were not great. You'll hear many more audio artifacts and echoes than usual this episode, and some weird volume issues. Nothing should prevent you from listening, but just bear in mind that the audio quality, not quite as good as usual. Enjoy! Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Peter. I'm Jenny. And I'm Tyler. And we are here for a bonus episode. It's a Fear the Con 11 post-convention report. Um, I don't think we've ever had Tyler on the show before. We have not. No, this is the first time. Want to introduce Tyler here? Or Or do you want to introduce you? Sure. Um, Hi, I'm I'm Tyler. Um, Most people know me online as Churcher. I've been a part of the uh, the Fear the Good community for, uh, I guess, 12 years now. So this is where I've met everyone here. All right. So it's been a pretty good con. Uh, I think we want to just go slot by slot and go there because there's some overlap here. There is some overlap. I think going slot by slot would be good. Okay. So slot one, uh, Jenny, you ran the game that I was in. So since you were the one who ran it, why don't you talk about that? Sure. So uh, first slot, I ran a LARP. Here are the con's first ever LARP uh, called Sign. And uh, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, um, and it's about basically real-life events that happened in Nicaragua in the 1970s, where kids, uh, deaf kids specifically, were finally allowed to go to a deaf school. And they kind of rejected uh, American Sign Language entirely and made their own pidgin, which is like a, an almost language. It's not infinitely uh, replicable. So this was a game sort of trying to replicate those recess moments where kids were allowed to make language through play. Some of the stuff in in the the manual was a little bit hippie-ish. I kind of cut that stuff out. Uh, It was like, close your eyes. Acknowledge your hands. I'm like, really? If they're up for it, I'm going to mention that it's an option, but... Everyone was like, hmm. I mean, I, I've had hands my entire life. I, I know they're there. We know these hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I this was a game I was hugely nervous for. I had no idea whether any of the people there would really latch onto the idea. I thought I might not have explained it well enough in the description to really get the idea across of what we were going to be doing. But... Really, everybody, the the first, so the game is sort of separated into first class, first recess, second class, second recess, third class, final recess, final class. And so class is structured language creation, and recess is um, unstructured play, or relatively unstructured. I actually didn't look at your recess cards that much. There were cards that I handed out to each of the uh, students. I I was sort of role-playing as the teacher. By the way, I think I didn't mention, canonically, the teacher is not deaf. The teacher is hearing. Interesting. I could have played a lot into that if I really wanted to, but 
Um, I didn't go super into it. I just leaned into the teacher thing rather than the hearing thing. So yeah, it was uh, also completely silent for an hour and a half. We did not talk with our mouths for an hour and a half. Yeah, nobody really even like side or anything either i mean no. there there was a you know it, it was interesting the table was almost kind of holding our breath a lot of the time and trying to avoid making any noise so there was a lot of very like intense like kind of facial expressions and stuff as we were struggling to communicate stuff to each other and but it was it was very quiet <laughs> yeah I, I was i was so shocked about that because partly because one of the players in particular zane is known for just like a lot of talking. Zane talks a lot, and we love him for it. He says some lovely things. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't really know... Uh, I, I knew one other guy at the table and you, Peter. Uh, so I knew Sandpunk, um, whose game I was in, in second slot, so we'll talk about, more about that later. But, um, yeah. Uh, well, so, you know me, you knew Zane, and you knew Sandpunk, so that's three. Yeah, three of six. Um, yeah. And I had a full table. That was also a thing I was not expecting. I did not expect to have to, quote unquote, teach six kids. Um, so when I saw that I had like full slots, a, a thing I actually did, I went to Target Thursday and I just bought whatever cheap little toys I could get a hold of. Tyler, that, that was a that was a fun experience watching her walk around the the toy aisle. Just be like, oh, I can use this. Oh, I can use this. I need a Lego set. Let me get this. And it was, it was yeah. really. Uh, it, it's interesting like, to see her prep for a game because I haven't gotten a chance to see that. Yeah, because it, it was in this case, it was very much like, what can we verb with? So yeah, and, and I also uh, it said in the in the rules to sort of avoid the noise making toys, but I also wanted to go with stuff that they would have in the eighties. So Lego was getting really big in the eighties. Yes, it was. I remember it fondly <laughs> from my own childhood. Yeah, and there was like a bouncy ball with all glitter in it. Apparently, somebody figured out the night before the game that it would flash. I don't know if that was a thing in the 80s, but it sure is now. Yeah, it was cool. I don't think it was because I think that relies on LEDs. It does. So. That's yeah. more 90s stuff. Yeah, yeah late, late probably, 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, that's probably like 2005-ish, actually. Yeah. LEDs really didn't start showing up in toys and stuff until like the last decade. Yeah, so it was a lot of um, prep was sort of like that. I had forgotten a couple of key supplies. Sandpunk kindly lent me uh, some pencil crayons. Uh, because another part of the game is that every time you feel that you are misunderstood or that you have misunderstood somebody else, you make a mark on a piece of paper. In the, the actual version of the game, you like put a permanent marker mark on your hand. I was like, I don't want to do that to people at a convention. Yeah, we don't, we don't need people walking around with tallies all over their hands for the rest of the con. Yeah, like... Just, we don't want to look like this was a Doctor Who game here. This is... Or like a, a mob hitman game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so, so it was... That that was really interesting. And like, I, I said at the beginning, I'm not going to penalize you for laughing. Please do laugh. I want this to be a fun time. If we... And, and like, there are bits that I want to take seriously, but I do want to have fun. And even I was laughing, like, silently. It was it was a, a a wonderful experience. I'm running that next year. Yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah. Now, I'm just curious. You said like you didn't want to penalize people for laughing. Are there actually built-in penalties to that system? No, it's more just like I just like that firm slap on the hand saying, "Yeah, please don't do that. You're breaking the spirit of the game." Yeah, it's it's very. Okay. This is a, a really like 
social contract kind of game. You really all have to be into the idea of not talking. Okay. And and communicating with your hand with your hands and your face and your body language. This was also supposed to be a game in a, a room alone. Mm. And, and so so like there was supposed to be a separate area for recess and a separate area for class. I didn't have the space yeah. for that. <laughs> we were all sitting around a table and we made it work. Yeah, I do recall talking with with somebody after it afterwards, and he felt that it would have been incredibly awkward for him had we had separate uh, spaces for it. Um, and I think that would would probably vary by player, but I think with the group that we had, just having it around the table was was very important because you guys also helped with like cleaning up and and stuff like that and, and uh, i think that was pretty vital at least to me in the making of the language yeah and and we did find some some common signs that just made sense immediately and other ones that were like like there was yeah. uh this this like the the together sign was like one finger up and then moved in a circle um and uh uh then, then there was one other one. There, there's a part of the game where you are supposed to make a sign for a selected word. And one guy chose a word, uh, and the word was fear. And he made a, a motion where it, it's like you have uh, three fingers up on one hand and two on the other. And then you hit your heads together. And then there's four fingers on one hand and one finger on, on the other hand. So it's like you've transferred transferred the finger and that was fear it's like and, why is that fear and then later on his um character backstory was he was afraid of losing his sister to other friends because she was starting to make new friends without him and he was terrified that she would abandon him so it was like oh. a pair becoming one person and then a, a group of four and we were like Oh my goodness! I I legit teared up a little bit. I was wow, like, oh that's my god, deep! Oh my goodness, I could not believe. Um, and another thing that I've found myself doing over the course of the convention, at the very very beginning of the game, uh, all of the kids made a sign for their names, which is a, a very common thing within sign language. So you aren't signing out each individual letter of your name. Time you have to introduce yourself to something. Yeah. So with like names like Zachary, you aren't like taking a half an hour to sign your name. Yeah. Um. So so throughout the convention, I didn't know most of the players' names, so I would just like refer to them as like Raptor Claws yeah. or, or like Build a Wall sign. Yeah. And and um, it, it was interesting to, have to yeah. do that. I still have people refer to me as Time Spike. So yeah. Yeah, and, and I still have people refer to me as Lime. I'm just Churcher everywhere. <laughs> well, you've had that nickname a long time. Yeah, that, like that's longer true. Longer than Fear so. That's true. Yeah, I've had that one for 14 years. Yeah. So, so um, that one's not going away anytime soon. Yep. But um, no, yeah, so, so that was slot one for me. It was exhausting. I spent the rest of the day exhausted and desperately trying to stay awake because... If you count the discussion afterwards, it was only about two hours, but... Yeah, and it was the very first one of the con proper, too, so we were all fairly energetic and stuff, and I'm actually very glad we did it then, because, yeah, it, it was it was wonderful, but boy, was it intense. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very glad I did it. I will be doing it next year if I'm able to make it. I, I will be, because 
the the feedback that I got was just nothing but this is the best game that I will probably play at the convention. I know that I talked with um, Raptor Claus, <laughs> um, who goes by Xylo on, on the Fear the Boot forums, and, and he was like, at slot the slot five, moving into slot six, he ran into me in the hall and he was like, yours is still the best game. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I, fe- I felt honored to be able to run that game. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. So what did you do for slot two? Uh, slot two was Sandpunk's the horrible things that happened to children at the cousin's wedding. Okay, so was this the the sequel to last year's game Ish. that I was in? Ish. Uh, okay. Same basic concept of like horrible things happening to children in in the Rice system, uh, but uh, very different plot, different characters. Uh, there was actually only one other player. Uh, another player had surprise work that he had to get to this weekend. Um, so it was me and Johan and uh, Sandpunk or uh, Andy running it. And I played Nicole, who was sort of on the bride's side of the family. And uh, she's she was a tomboy. She played softball and she likes gross things. And she's a clever girl. Th- those were her three aspects in the Rysus system. Because Rysus is like, you get three stats split up uh, your stats like three, two, one in terms of number of dice that you roll. Yeah, I, I played in the first one last year. It's it's a very simple system, but it works surprisingly well for short duration yeah. games like this. And, and funny enough, it's similar enough to Fate that I thought I wouldn't like it, but I do. I'm not sure what it is. It may be, I know Fate sort of seems to want a certain type of specificity that I can't provide. And Reese's is just like, you're fast. Cool. You're, you're just fast. <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's fast instead of, you know, break deck, neck, daredevil, figure out ways that this is good and bad and constantly try and tag it throughout the game. I mean, most can be fun in my opinion, but I know you've expressed frustration with it before on the show. Yes. So yes, frustration would be a good word. Um, so the basic plot was, uh, oh, and, uh, Johan was playing Davy, a really nerdy kid who was forced into the Boy Scouts by his, uh, somewhat gruff father. And um, so the basic premise was there was a wedding happening. We were staying at a, a terrible little campsite uh, with broken up, busted log cabins, whereas the wedding party was staying at a fancy lodge with like lots of rooms and stuff like that. And we were all jealous. Anyway, uh, there was another cousin there, uh, Rusty, who, spoilers, uh, turned out to be a tar baby and sort of set as a trap for like this big, big alligator in the south of, like, deep south of Mississippi. And uh, there was, it was creepy. It was like, it was very Stranger Things. It was incredibly Stranger Things. Yeah, last year was, too. We had, like, these weird, like, porcelain golem people things replacing the parents and stuff. It was very, it was kind of unnerving, yeah. Yeah. It went pretty crazy towards the end when we started just summoning more and more layers of authorities to deal with things. But the the way that I described it and he let this go is it's like first the squad cars go by, then the unmarked squad cars go by, then the black SUVs go by, then the black Humvees go by. That escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So so it was it was really fun. I, I I've said this before on the podcast. I love playing as a kid. It's it's so much fun. I had an absolute blast with that game. And it, 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 it was just a riot. And honestly, I don't think it would have 
been as fun with more kids. I think just me and Johan playing off, we play off each other actually pretty well. Johan really is, he's good to have in your player group. I remember um, I was with him in a survival horror game that Jeb Brack ran several years back. And yeah, he's a great guy to have at the table. He moves stuff along. He's a very effective role player. He um, he's good at like grabbing the plot lovers and, you know, pushing them. And he's, he thinks very quickly on his feet. And yeah, he's he's a good guy to have at the table. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I've ever actually played with Johan before. So, so this this was a, a new thing for me, and, and it was it was very good. I, I smashed the alligator's head in with a baseball bat, and that was fun. Uh, the tar baby uh, Rusty got set on fire because oh, no. he's made of tar, <laughs> and we set the house ablaze. And we realized then that Rusty was nobody's cousin. Um, none of the adults remembered who Rusty was. There was also a creepy Uncle Neddy who the adults couldn't figure out which side of the family he was on. And then when we talked about Uncle Neddy later, they're like, who's Uncle Neddy? Such, such things, the things kids say, you know. <laughs> what a weird imaginary <laughs> Meanwhile, the, the camp is burning in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, also, all of the wedding party went insane, started dancing in um, the, the main lobby of the lodge, and then ran off the balcony into the lake never to be seen again <sighs> we found this out secondhand through rusty who didn't know he was a tar baby initially and and he was trying desperately not to he was like i don't like me when i'm it and, which was so creepy and then like tar started like flowing out of various orifices and covering him he was like no 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 and i was like oh no can we save him at one point because he was on fire from the waist up i was trying to drag him into the water to extinguish him <laughs> I pulled his legs off and oh, I no. tried to like put them back on wow. I was like no Rusty no it was so creepy the, like the creep level started off a little weird because we fell in the water and the water felt gooey we were like ooh we don't like this um, and uh, then the, the creep factor slowly ramped up then we hit a certain point where in the middle of the night you're scratching underneath one of the cabins and from then on it was just like <gasps> Creep factor 10,000%. It was j just, ah, it was creepy. I yeah, Sam Punk is good at that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was my slot two. Tyler, you and I were in the same thing in slot two. Yes, we, we were. were in uh, Michael Matthews's Dusk City Outlaws game, and that was pretty cool. That was an interesting heist game, because uh, I hadn't gotten to play a heist game before outside of the, the traditional, like, here's Shadowrun, you're doing a heist. But the, the system's not made for heisting. Right, and this one is. Yeah, it was it was interesting, and the, the the most interesting thing about the game for me is that it's presented to you like a board game to an extent. At least uh, all the packaging it's like it comes in a box, like a board game box. It has inserts for different cards and dice, and and the the rule booklet. Uh, if I didn't know any better, this would be something that you would see out of like uh, uh like a fantasy flight. Yeah, it had that very kind of like nice, colorful, professional board game feel to it. And character creation was take two of these great big cards, one that represents like the faction that you're from and one that represents your archetype. And then take three random cards off of this other, you know, quirk deck that you don't get to just pick, pick one of those, give the other two back and there's your character. So it was, it was relatively quick once we kind of figured out what we wanted to play. Uh, well, yeah, at first it was a lot of setup and the fact that there's like, 
I, I think overall there were, were like 20 or so faction cards, but they all doubled up, so there's really only 10 you have to look at. Yeah. You have to process that you have 20 cards, but only 10 of them matter. Um, and then the jobs were, were twice as big. I, I think that was something like 30 or something cards with like like some duplicates in there, but not all of them are duplicated. Yeah. It, it was a little weird in that regard, um, but that is an interesting point. Because while we're all looking through these cards and trying to get things set up, uh, the GM, Michael in this case, uh, was looking through the book of what our adventure was going to be. Uh, and the little book that gave him everything that he needed to know. Like, here's the NPCs, here's their motivations, this is what you know the players know, they know these certain things. And it worked out very well in that regard, so it gave him time to prep while we were also creating our characters. Yeah, and it, it, it bears mentioning we've I think we've mentioned Michael a few times on the podcast, but he is an awesome GM. Yeah, he He's been doing improv for a really long time, and he can just roll with anything that comes down his you know table. It's it's, it's really cool to sit there with him and just watch him work. And and he also likes those like off the wall games too, which is something I I've, I've started finding myself drawn towards. Like I'd never heard of Dust City Outlaws before this con. No, I hadn't either. And I probably would never have even heard of it outside of this con. But it's just one of his go-to games. It's just like, oh yeah, I I, I can run this now. It's easy. So you played a corrupt clergy person. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's interesting to, for me to come out of this podcast. Like, <laughs> yep, I'm playing a uh, my my character was Sister Josephine. The faction was the Church, and the role was Mastermind. And my whole goal was get rich. Hey, you want libations? Uh, come on, I, I, I'll hand them out like candy. <laughs> you got the gold. I got the I got the uh, confessions. Let's go. Yeah, he was indulgences. You indulgences, mentioned too. Yeah. And then I wound up playing a character that's very against type for me. I played this grave digger kind of like the 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 faction that I chose was like all of the kind of the dealing with death. Um, faction. So like undertakers, grave diggers. Um, I was a plague doctor trained as an assassin Wow! and I didn't hurt anybody throughout the entire game. Yeah, you didn't. I, I think the closest you got to hurting someone was tackling the, the guy. Yeah. I Okay. So the, the job was basically to save this idiot nobleman from himself by kidnapping him and getting him on a ship out of the city. The only person I did any harm to was like grabbing him and choking him out so we could chuck him in a in a box and like get him on a ship. <laughs> and we even did that with the consent of his bodyguard who had been trying to convince him to see reason for a while and was not super successful. Yeah, out of like just like a, a two and a half pages of information, we got a full four hour story out of it. Yeah. Um, and the, the way that the mechanics were really interesting because you have two types of phases in the game. You have a planning phase, at which point you have 15 real-world minutes to plan out what you're With a timer running. We had a timer running. We, we never hit time, which is a great yeah. part about it. But you have this the timer going and everyone's planning out. It's like, okay, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this. And that keeps it from bogging, which is where a lot of the time, like in a role-playing session, if you're sitting there planning... I mean, you know, the group that Grant and I are in, we actually killed a campaign with overplanning once. Oh, yeah. We did like four sessions of planning for this one job, and we just kept like getting ourselves more and more wound up about it and just lost momentum. That was how the Shadowrun game died. Yeah. So by having a hard 15-minute limit on it, it's like, okay, 
So that that does two things, in, in, at least in my mind. It it keeps the game moving, and it also tells you that the game is not so unforgiving that a 15-minute planning session is insufficient for you to be successful. Exactly. Um, because with the, the we were basically doing this in parts of the day. It was day and night session. Um, when the game first started, and we picked our characters and we were told what the job was, we got a free 15-minute planning session. If we wanted to plan any further, we had to use one of our like slots of day or night to do another 15-minute planning session. Um, and then the other phase outside of planning was legwork. And then legwork could be something as simple as I spin this token and I now get what I need. Like for me yeah. as, as the church member, uh, I arranged for a funeral to happen as soon as we were starting to head out of the city. So that way everyone thought he was dead. So he, the, the assassin that had been hired to come after him would think that he's no longer living. So her job is done or his job or its job. We don't know who yeah. it was. It was the Serpent of Westmarch or something yes, like something that like was that. the name of the assassin. Very creepy name, but yeah. And then like in, in my character's case, I got in touch with like the, you know, all the grave diggers and it's like, I need a body that looks like this guy from somebody who's died recently. What have you got? And they're like, ah, oh, this one's close enough. So we, you know, chucked that in a coffin, dressed it up in the noble's clothes. And <laughs> so like the legwork could be as short as literally 30 seconds as us, the, the yeah. time for us to pick up the token, hand it to the GM and say what we want to do with it. Or it could be longer and you can have any number of characters in the legwork scenes, but everybody gets one where they're kind of in charge of it. Yeah, you, you take the lead is what it was called. Yeah. Um, and then as when you're taking the lead, you can do like you can set up basically a scene of what you're trying to accomplish um, and how you want to do it. And, and you go through that whole like process of it, um, which is absolutely fantastic for a heist game, because what we did and this has been a personal like goal for me. Was to play a heist game, specifically one that we got a whiteboard at, which we had here. We had a whiteboard in the center of the table, and I was able to write in my very sloppy handwriting the five steps to our, our success. And then we went down and we broke down what each of those steps required. And then once we did those things and we found out new information, we said, okay, we no longer need to locate uh, the Juniper, the, the, the noble we were trying to capture. We don't need to locate him. We've already found him. Now we need to convince him to, to you know, come with us. And so that became a whole new step for us. And we got to break that down. Uh, so everyone knew what their goal was going into legwork. That made that so much faster as well. And that's what I loved about this game is because everything was constantly rolling because of the 15-minute planning session. Yeah, that's it's just enough time to get your ideas crystallized and then you got to go do something about it. So, yeah, it's it's a great game. I may look into picking a copy of that up myself at some point. It seems really cool. Same. And the world was interesting. It was just. It was yeah, the setting was fascinating. Yeah, it was, it was weird because it was like a, a a pseudo like Victorian era steampunk ish with magic. Small amounts of it. But yeah, Small some. Um, but it, it was. It was an interesting world that I wish I could explore more of, but con game, you can't really do that. And the, the game doesn't really, really uh, like lend itself well to setting exploration unless it's pertaining to the job that you're doing. Yeah, and there's there's also not a huge amount of room for character advancement in there either. I mean, they, the oh, PCs no, yeah. start off very competent at whatever they're supposed to be doing. It's all percentile dice, and you start out with like a 90, this big rack of 80s, 
a few 65s and then the worst you could have at anything, even stuff that you'd never done before was 50%. So yeah. Uh, and that was, and it's a roll under system. So yeah. of course it's like mine was, uh, um, uh, chasing a joint as a member or as a mastermind, chasing a joint was my number one goal at 90%. Yeah, as an assassin, sneaking around was 90%. No, When I didn't want to be seen, nobody even had a chance of spotting me. It was great. That's actually another good point. Um, so the way that the game kind of balances out is that the GM gets a resource called heat. And uh, heat is when you start doing stuff that generates attention, you start generating heat. And uh, the GM can spend that heat to do like introduce new complications or block to us if he has enough. Um, and every character had a place that they were conspicuous in. Um, so, like, the, the grave digger, you were a little bit noticeable in the, the nobles district. Yeah, I mean, a, a plague doctor walking around, you know, with the, the whole, like, mask and everything in the noble district, that's going to raise some eyebrows. And I, I, we actually took advantage of that a couple of times. You needed a distraction. I was, like, walking up and, like, pulling on people's lower eyelids and being like, hmm, you look a bit jaundiced. Are you <laughs> sure you should be here? Um, <laughs> but, like, causing a distraction for other people was also part of the fun. Because uh, I went with one of our guys to gather information uh, to find, like, a cart to get into this chariot race. And uh, one <laughs> bodyguard is, like, giving us a stone wall. Like, we could not get past him no matter what we said. This so I started declaring moment. him a heretic. At the top of your lungs in a crowded restaurant. <laughs> like, just backing the guy up. He's like, I haven't done anything all that around. Heretic! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that became really really interesting and i got a lot more depth in that character than i thought i was ever going to get just by being like nope uh i want money you're in my way you're a heretic now <laughs> it was it was really weird but really fun yeah yeah okay and then for slot three i was in jenny's mom's game um beyond the wall which is like a very stripped down um D style fantasy game and we were kind of a, a group that was sent up to do some um, collect like some eagle eggs for falconers and stuff to use. And we wound up um, like sheltering in this cave for the night and then some seismic activity sealed off the way that we'd come in and opened up a new exit on the other end of the cave that we went out and came into like this area that was full of like all of these bird people and these giant like rock hopper birds that were like pecking at our shoelaces and stuff and found like this creepy bird wizard that was stealing people's shadows and using that to do like interdimensional travel and stuff. And it was, it was a very interesting game. There, there was a little bit of a cliffhanger there. I think there's going to be more to explore on that one. You're saying there was a cliffhanger up there with the Falcons? Yes. In the mountains. <laughs> Can you see hear that? Jenny hit me. Yeah. <laughs> um, as, yeah, in case it wasn't obvious, these two are a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually mention that, yeah. Yeah, no, you didn't. Yeah. Sorry! <laughs> Go ahead and hit him again, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, did Mom tell you what she got her inspiration from? Mm-mm. So, she went to visit her parents recently, and her mother gave her a coloring book of fancy chickens. <laughs> She was using art out of that for various characters and stuff yeah. throughout the thing. So Yeah, so she had this basic idea of, like, uh, I think she originally wanted to use um, Hollow Earth Expedition for this. So, like, seismic activity opens up another part of a cave. There's an underground world kind of thing. But she she found the chicken thing, and she's like, 
I found the big hook. And so <laughs> so that, that was how she really got the, the main plot for her game down. She had a basic idea that she wanted you guys to go to a place with big animals and stuff like that. But she was like, I'm not really sure about it. She saw the chickens. She was like, this one's the wizard. And it's like this chicken that has like floppy and hair. He, he does look like a wizard chicken. He I mean, does. if chickens had wizards, this would have been one. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would actually highly recommend looking up a photograph of that chicken because the coloration is nuts. It's ridiculous. It's like salt and pepper hair. It, it's, it is the crazy professor it, it, to a T. So yeah, she, she got the idea from a fancy chicken book. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so our slot three game, uh, it was Tyler's Traveler live stream game, which uh, was it was live streamed and they will have recorded it or saved the video somewhere. So uh, it, it's n- it's not safe for work. Uh, it's, no. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how much of it we can talk about on the mics, actually. There are certain, there are certain things that there are a decent amount of it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'll go and say it right now. That's apparently my call to fame on the internet is it's running why, Traveler. It's why you're you're a Z-list celebrity. I'm a meme. You're a uh, meme. <laughs> um, so a, fa- a highly I, localized I, meme, but yes. a meme nonetheless. Very true. Um, so, uh... If you ever want to find out why, ask Jenny, she'll answer it. Um, but uh, Traveler is a game that I, I've been running now for, uh, I guess, 12 years, the same amount of time as Fear the Boot, um, where uh, I, I will always be, be asked to run it at Fear the Con. Um, and, and this year, I, I decided to mix it up a little bit. Um, normally, I go for the more serious types of games. This time, I went a little more... Uh, slap happy with it uh, to an extent. Um, the, the the long and short of it was this is a giant escort mission um, where the the whole like party has to go and uh, protect uh, Misha Lynn Damon, the the galaxy's newest and hottest pop star, who is a complete ditz, one hundred percent. I I played a. Uh, uh Psionic? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the Zodani psionics. Yeah, and so I could read minds a little bit. I tried to read her mind, and <laughs> Tyler described it as, all you get is crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot going on there. I did also fail the roll, but I feel like it was still accurate. <laughs> all you get is crickets. And so she's a ditz, and, and people were trying to kidnap her, so they hired people, these mercenaries, to protect her. Um, it, it seems like kidnapping is a, and heists are a theme this year for us. You, you're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> yep. uh, wait till we get to slot five. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, Traveler was an extremely interesting game uh, because I, I kind of went with it. I, I went more with the flow than I normally do because uh, especially for Traveler, it's one of those um, I, I'm not the most thrilled about running. So I don't have a lot of enthusiasm when I show up to the table, uh, which really is a disservice to the players in those in those games. Um, but this this year, since I changed it up, I, I came in with the new inspirations. Uh, just was really happy about how it went. Um, and I, again, I might be a little biased on this one, but I actually enjoyed it because I drew a lot of inspiration from uh, Macross and Macross Plus, which I had just seen this year. So you no. weeb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I was really, really happy and excited to run it because it's something that I, 
I enjoy Giant Mecha stuff, and I can pull something from a Giant Mecha show that I enjoy into one of my games, and then kind of went from it from there. And everybody was just having a good time, and laughing, and, and, you know, stuff goes wrong, and I just roll with it and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, so so the, the basic idea was um, there were how many of us? There were six? six yeah, six. The six of us. Um, and I was playing a psionic uh, uh, sort of stealthy recon person, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the guy sitting across from me uh, Mac, I think his name is. Yep. Uh, he was also in the sign game. Oh. He was um bird. <laughs> bird yeah. sign. Yeah, I've I've been with him in a couple of things at previous Fear of the Cons. He's also good. He's yeah. he's excellent. So so he was playing uh He was playing Jillian uh, Roberts, the archaeologist. Archaeologist, that's right. And uh, uh sitting next to him was uh my my dad uh playing a camel person pilot. Uh, and then sitting next to him was a dude. It, it was uh, a evil Ernie. Evil Ernie, um, who was playing sort of like the the boss of this mercenary company, uh, and, uh, like a, a, a bit of a crazy old man. Yeah, we, we, uh, okay. the way the way that I put it on the character sheet was eccentric, rich uh, owner of the company. Yeah, incredibly right. eccentric. Um, I was really intent on like. Getting some sort of like chip implant in, put into the the head of this girl so that we could know where she was at all times. <laughs> and like, I don't think the player was serious about it. The character sure was. We were like, no. Every <laughs> yeah. single time we were just like, she's not no. a cat. You can't just chip her. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So we got her a necklace and ring instead. Um, and then uh, across the table from him was uh, Ryan Frederick Mobius who had a great time passing many, many, many notes from his, um, what's the name of the race? So, uh, the, the race he was playing was a hybrid. Yeah. The best way to describe it, and one, Google it, trust me, uh, what I'm about to say will not do it justice. Yeah. Uh, but a hybrid is literally a tentacle monster. Yep. It is a singular mass with tentacles sprouting out from it. Um... And he played it so well. Like there, there, I know people who have played hybrids in a gross way, and and there, there was a bit of joking like that around the table, but it wasn't. He didn't put it too much into the character. Yeah, it was just like I, I I'm a little bit zany and a little bit out there. He's and he talked like that the whole time. Uh, he was a fan, a huge, huge mega fan of Misha. He wrote half of a song that he wanted um, to sing for Misha and to get Misha to sing. I wrote the other half of it because <laughs> um, I was playing someone who was like a, a more subtle fan, like appreciates her work. Um, there is actually video that I took of uh, <laughs> Tyler's face right now is just like he's smiling, but there's only resignation from the nose. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> It was painful. <laughs> Tyler and Ryan sang that terrible, terrible song together, and I have video footage, and I will be posting it somewhere. Yay! <laughs> I did ask for Tyler's permission for this. It, yeah, it, and yeah. permission has been granted. I mean, it was already being live streamed, but yeah, <laughs> this is a uh, higher quality video. Um, cl- close up, a close up, and um. 
so yeah, uh, basically, we uh, were all like protecting the girl, making sure her ship was safe. We uh, jump to the planet that she's doing her tour at. Uh, we are ambushed by pirates, and we then land. Uh, we we kill the pirates real good. Um, we we shot the cockpit. <laughs> just just the, the 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 resigned look. Of Tyler's just sitting here like, uh huh, yeah, yeah. They they killed him dead, yeah. like real dead. Like death itself was like, there's nothing left for me to do here. <laughs> <laughs> like, for me. Uh, Vehicle combat is one of my favorite parts about the Traveler system as a whole. Uh, and so this was the first time in a con game I could reasonably put it in. So I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. So they go back, and there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a dogfight going on, and they get a shot off on the enemy. I'm like, great, let's see what happens. Oh, uh, they crunch the armor. Cool, that's an internal critical hit. Where does it hit? Cockpit. <laughs> so where there once was a person is now a red mist. <laughs> yeah. And it's a single-man fighter, so... Well, that's done. All right, well, <laughs> moving on. We salvaged the uh, machine guns and uh, kind of spliced them onto our main scout ship. And um, you landed. We landed, and there was a crowd surrounding Misha. My character went ahead to scout uh, the first location that she was going to do, like a signing and uh, autographs, like uh, and, and photographs and, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I saw a shady character who was like. Something along the lines of like, man, I wish the boss didn't have me have to do this. And I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. Um, and, and so I, uh, I, I radioed back and I was like, hey. Also, there was this one guy who was like, man, I can't wait to tell Misha how much I hate her right to her face. And I was like, so there's one interesting thing that might happen. And there's a dangerous thing that might happen. <laughs> um uh, oh, I didn't. I, I, didn't, I forgot to mention Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Rocky was sitting right beside me. He was playing a bug person, uh, uh, gun dude. Yeah, guns I, and muscles. I, it, the the race is a, a drone, and they have like they're they're literally bug people. There's no other way around around it. Um, but he was what I call a point man. Uh, he had a gun that it was a, it was considered like an a, a assault rifle. Uh, but I named it Rudy, and on the character sheet I said. Whatever attachment that you want Rudy to have, as long as it's within reason, you have it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so it started. He, he started writing down a list. He's like, yeah, it's got like a suppressor. It's got infrared uh, scope. It's got magnification scope. It's got a motion detector. And just listen to all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no. Uh, he was able to sort of um, shake a little bit of uh, sense into the one guy who was like, man, I can't wait to tell her to the face. Terrible she is. Um, and then there was uh, that, that one other guy um, who was like, man, why is the boss having me do this? Uh, I was able to sort of pick up on the fact that he was lying through his teeth. Uh, and um, so, so we were able to get like a facial recognition thing on him. There was one uh, entry that said that he was part of a sort of a, a rent-a-cop group called the Silver Serpents. Mm -hmm. Silver Serpents. And then there was also a hit on him for possible piracy charge. Oh. Yeah, there was kind of this warrant out for his arrest. There was like a 98% facial recognition match there. And we were like, ooh, hmm, keep a tab on him. And, and th after that, it was really just prep for the concert that she was going to do. Um, and Tyler had like very specific 
things where, where we were all supposed to roll recon checks or various like, tactical checks and see if we could, you know, find any weaknesses in security. We found guns and guns and guns and guns in various places around the stage. Kind of like the uh, the setup of the venue at the beginning of John Wick 2, where he's got weapon yeah. stashes all over his route yeah, that he was going to be taking. Yeah, pretty much. I have not seen John Wick 2. I will take your words for that. If you like Keanu Reeves action movies, it's a real good one. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There was a sniper rifle up in the light and the, the Raptors with the lights. There was an energy pistol in the pyrotechnics booth. There was a crate of SMGs and assault rifles underneath the stage. Uh, there was um, oh, there was one more that you guys, one more you guys got. Yeah, um, I, I, don't, I don't recall. Oh, but then yeah. the one that they missed, one hundred percent missed, was uh, a, a underneath the drink cabinet. That's why they had the duck under. Was a couple of, uh, of submachine guns there. But all the other caches got taken out. So you got eight heavily armed people in the middle of this concert going to the concession stand. Yep. <laughs> and you want your drink and your complimentary SMG. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, then, then there was a great big fight. We went way over the time limit for the slot. Yeah, the, the, the slot ended at 11 o'clock. We ended about 11.25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was also a, a dropship kind of thing that came in during the concert as well that my dad shot down. Um, like, he kept hitting the places where people were. Yeah, this is a dropship with, like, armored, uh, like, imp- like a hit squad almost uh, to, to go in, drop down, grab the pop star, and then fly off. Then it took two critical hits to passengers. <laughs> well, there goes your hit team. Yeah. So they started flying away. And then he hit, like, the structural centers of the ship, and they were like, oh, we have to land now. <laughs> <laughs> Landing was not optional. <laughs> yeah. So so that that was our slot free, and it was, it was good fun. Yeah, uh, the one thing I will mention that kind of stuck with me right at the very end is the, um, the eccentric owner of this entire company uh, – Finds a sniper rifle and is like, oh, hey, there's bad guys. Hey, Misha, you want to go shoot something? And hands her <laughs> the gun. This um, airhead, like, late teens girl. And it's like, sure. Which is funny because the system is really interesting in the regard is that I, I choose a skill and then I choose an attribute and you roll 2d6 and try to hit Nate. Um, and so in this regard, uh, her dexterity was extremely high. So it made up for the fact that she's not trained at all. She almost hit. Yeah, it was <laughs> really close. Um, it, it was pretty funny. Oh, I, I forgot to mention um, the game that we were in before the convention. I would like to talk about that. Sure, yeah. yeah. So um, I've been in a New World of Darkness game run by Adam Gottfried, who we ha- whom we have had on the podcast previously. Yep. Uh, I've been in that technically since January, but we've had to have like a three-month break because of just many, many things happening all at once that are not good. Uh, adulting. Uh, yeah, basically adult life hit us in the face, um, and, and it was unpleasant. It's, it's been hitting our group in the face this month, too. Yeah, so, and this was only a monthly game, so it's like three sessions in a row we've missed. Like, we may as well That's just a meet up. a year. Yeah, we may as well just meet up at Fear the Con, because we're all going to be there. 
Um, and so, so um, last we left our heroes, they were surrounded by Draugr and a in an abandoned mine camp uh, up in northern northern Greenland. Um, and uh, um, so. I, I know that Tyler was originally on Adam's list of people he wanted to ask to join the game, but Tyler was also incredibly busy when Adam first started the game, so he couldn't get in. So um, Tyler was able to get on, on this one as someone who would normally be an NPC. Um, so, so there's all these Draugr around. We, have, we almost died killing just one of them, and I was like, how are we going to deal with 15? Um, and all of a sudden we see this, uh, and we're up there for the purpose of finding probably dead Nazis because it's just the end of the war of the second world war. 1947. 1947. And we are up there to tell the Nazis the war is over. You don't want these people like organizing some kind of nastiness thinking that the war is still on and blowing away some, you know, tourists or fishermen or something. That'd be bad. Or, or finding a thing that they were looking for, because Nazi Germany was super into, like, supernatural solutions. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the whole Thule Society and everything. Yeah, it was not so good. Yeah, so um, this was probably part of that, and we knew that going in. So, like, I, I was sort of like, a, uh, there's one dude who's, like, an, an occult investigator. Uh, we've, we've got, like, people who've studied weird supernatural phenomena. And so we see this blonde dude wandering, like, without proper insulation through the Draugr towards us and hiding out in a convenience store. And uh, the, uh, my character and Tyler's character make eye contact and Tyler's character just puts his finger up to his lips. Um, and, um, and we were about to barricade the door very noisily. And, and so I'm like, hey, hold up, hold up. So we let him in, slowly start to realize this guy is off his rocker. Like, uh, able yeah. to hold a conversation, but probably seeing some things or not sure of what he's seeing. Uh, to, to put a little bit more background with this, um, uh, my character walks into the, the convenience store, and I'm wearing the full-on brown outfit with the red armband, and you can imagine what's on that armband. Um, but so everyone's like, oh no, this is not a bad thing. And my character is just... Yeah, as, as Jenny said, off my rocker. I just, like, completely insane, but calm about it, too. Yeah, like, that was the main thing that really got me. Because, like, I, uh, Terry, Terry Dyer, his character, um, had a rifle up, like, on his shoulder, ready to shoot. Tyler's character walks forward and puts his forehead against the barrel and stares Terry down. And we were like... <laughs> that's something so um that that was interesting anyway we managed to almost get past the draugr unnoticed but my character um was surprised by some northern lights and kind of screamed a little bit it was like oh ah! and uh the draugr are drawn by sound and they noticed and started to scream about it no wait they weren't screaming yet Terry fired a flare at them, and then they started to scream and chase us. We managed to find some snowmobiles, like those old ones that are more like cars with covers. Oh, okay. Uh, just just as a, a little side note on that. When the Draugr started screaming, I started humming, humming and harmonizing with them. Yeah, uh, like... Yeah, not suspicious at all. Yeah. No, no. So, long story short, we get trapped by Queen Mab. <laughs> and, um... Uh, we are... Uh, 
sort of in her realm now. Um, oh, no, wait, we just got out, and we are on the back of a polar bear, who probably punched me in the face earlier in the campaign. <laughs> a giant polar bear. Yeah, who saved our butts. Um, and not by your character's standards. So the, the interesting thing about my character is that I, I literally showed up to the game with only a bare basic idea of, of who I was playing, which was, yeah, you're one of these uh, Nazi researchers. Uh, which is funny because Adam, the, the GM who's running it, when he asked me if I wanted to play the game and we sat down to go over it, the first thing he said was, so are you okay with playing a Nazi? I said, uh, mm, sure. <laughs> it had the hesitation. It was like, do I really? Yeah, I think, okay, no, I, whatever. He's a bad guy. I accept I'm an NPC. Not a problem. Yeah. Um, I'm not a character I'd want to play on a regular basis, but okay, sure. And they kind of laid it out a little bit more, so uh, so uh, to avoid giving any spoilers to Jenny, I won't go through all of that conversation. Um, but uh, the long story short on that one is, uh, I have no clue who I am. My entire personality has been rewritten. My social ideologies are just gone. Um, and uh, You are no longer allied to the Third Reich. You are now allied to Queen Mad. Essentially, or not exactly allied, but you are under her influence. That's more accurate. Yeah, yeah. that's more accurate. Um, and and so I show up with no character sheet, and so as things are going on, and we're like, oh, okay, we need to go make a sneak check. Adam will just say, all right, roll five dice. So you're kind of filling it in as you go, and yeah, I was literally filling in my character sheet on like a notepad. Yeah, being like, okay, well, this is what I roll fear. So I don't know what my character can do yet. Yeah, um, I actually made a, a sort of a, 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 a joke uh, late late in in the game, and I was like, "Hey, look, we found the glutton," and Adam was like, "Put that on his character sheet." <laughs> he's, he's, his vice is gluttony now. So, um, so I was like, "Sure, okay." Because yeah. this guy has basically been starving for three years. So adequate food is something he's going to tear into. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the, the great parts about it is that uh, Terry was like, well, we're just waiting around. Terry pops open a uh, like a little miniature like uh, heater and starts boiling up some coffee. And just starts making coffee right there. And my character immediately goes from like being the, the soft, sir, like, sell, like servant kind of guy around Cream Map to being like, no, this is worth dying or more years of torture. I, I this coffee, it's, it's coffee and it's warm. It's really warm. <laughs> yeah, and I would consider like um, the way that you treat warmth as sort of like a consuming, a consumption of warmth. Yeah. Um. So so gluttony would most definitely apply. Uh, so that was our uh, that was our pre-con game. That was our our Thursday night, and and that was okay. And then this morning, I took the first slot off. Same I was here. originally going to um, do something, but I was just tired um as it turns out as i get older i have less energy on day two of a con than on day one so in in my case i knew i was going to be exhausted because my slot four or my slot five is usually the roughest because i am so tired and it's been like that since the first year of the con i went to so so i was just like i'm not gonna try this year i did not sign up for a slot four game my slot five game was actually uh canceled as as well so i was like oh i have a slot another slot um but did you have a thing in slot four i did slot four for me was camelot trigger uh which is a fate setting um as i mentioned before i'm a giant fan of mecha and mecha anime um camelot trigger is literally 
the fate uh, setting where you have Arthurian legends mixed with Mecca. Okay, then. Um, yeah, and it fits. It fits so well. It was so much fun. I was playing uh, Sir Galahad. Okay. Um, and I I pulled off stuff I should not have been able to. Uh, we had all the, the different players at the table. I, I don't remember everyone that was there. Uh, but me and Sandpunk were brothers. He was playing Sir Tristan. I was playing Sir Galahad. And we were going back and forth. We did the um, the five-second film school thing where we just look at each other and go, Brother! That's <laughs> 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 all we need. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, uh, not to, to kind of lengthen this out any longer, but Camelot Trigger was the game I was most looking forward to coming to this con, because I have a friend that's been wanting to run it and wanting to play it, and I have not got to do it. So every time someone was having at the game, I'd take pictures of it. Um, uh, and, of course, anytime I play a fake game with this particular GM, which is Ruben, uh, uh, who made the, the design for the, the, the show, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did our uh, he did our logo. Yeah. Every time I play with Ruben, I get an amazing fate aspect out of it. Uh, the first game I played with him was a Atomic Robo Hellboy uh, crossover, and that's the one where I got the um, uh, the aspect of uh, Hellboy as my co-pilot, hmm, okay. uh, which was interesting. But no, the uh, this game I got um, since my character was from Mars because it's a terraform solar system. My character's from Mars, so I said I am declaring Martian law. <laughs> and which was funny because it gave everybody a boost and only one of us uh, only two of us were from Mars so. <laughs> uh, yeah it was a lot of fun I want to play in that setting much much more okay so it sounds like slot 5 was where a lot of the really really good stuff happened yeah. for all of us yeah. yeah so why don't you guys go first because this is a really epic story and then I'll follow up with what I had which was also good yeah so so my slot 5 game was cancelled I legit don't remember what it was, and I feel kind of bad about that, because I I think I was excited for it. Were you in that combat racing board game that yes. I was at? That, yeah, I played that last year with Jeb Brack, had a great time, Okay, and I was looking forward to you know seeing what they'd done to refine it this year, because they were testing like an early version last year, and it vanished at some yeah, point. Thanks, and I, thanks for reminding me, but I, I did want to play that. I was like, I want to crash into people. <laughs> you just want to Matt and Max it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know me very well. Um, I hope so. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, that game was, was canceled uh, quite last minute, too. Like, I, I checked it, like, last week and it was still there, so. Yeah, I wonder if maybe somebody had, like, some work stuff or a health thing or I something. I feel like it was probably surprise work. Surprise work has been happening a lot this, yeah. this time. So, so, so that game was canceled. And Tyler let me know that there were alternates open in Chad's uh, Lasers and Feelings game. Which he'd, he'd modified a bit, but his previous Lasers and Feelings game is convention, uh, the alternates were red shirts, and so they would die frequently, and, and so, so the game worked a little different for alternates. And so the way that it was described in the description of the, of the game on Con Planner was, was very much like, alternates are just going to be passive bystanders. They don't get a character sheet, they don't even get to roll dice on uh, the, the alternates are... They would be seated, but they wouldn't get a character sheet, I think, was the specific wording he used, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of, one of those things that, if it's Chad Watler, you gotta be... Suspicious. Thinking about what he's not saying exactly. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I've been in a Chad game before, so I was sort of thinking, like, 
He may give me like a, a red shirt. He has extra sleeves up his sleeves. Yeah. I've been in one of his games too. That's yeah. extremely accurate. Yeah. So um. So so I I go with Tyler to to the game that he's actually signed up for, and uh, I ask Chad, and I'm like, hey, do you have you still have alternate spots available? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sit down, sit down. I was like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna watch. He's like, no, you're gonna play. You're gonna get to play. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I guess I'm playing then, which I was not expecting. And I, I was sort of, sort of I was I I was exhausted. Like normally there's I I get the sort of depression exhaustion which is like, I am mentally tired, but physically awake. This was both. I was literally almost falling asleep in a chair while doing con, while doing game prep for my slot six game. Like it was, it was really, really rough for me to actually get up and get moving today. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm thrust into this position where I'm like, Oh, I guess I am planning. Ah. Um, and so you also had our um, a second one along as an alternate. Our all of our mutual friend Christian Clemen, who was on the report last year briefly. Yes, so. yes, he said hello. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so he he showed up as an alternate as well. Um, which spoilers was a huge relief for Chad because of the way he made alternates work. So uh, the other players were um, we were, we were gang members. Uh, we had just done a uh, a hit on a bank. Um, the, the time frame is, is right before the Civil War. The, um, the southern states have seceded from the Union, but war has not yet been declared. Um, so we had just hit a, a bank in St. Louis, uh, gotten some, uh, some 500 Confederate dollars, and we made a break for the, the West. Um, so our, our, we had four characters. We had um, uh, Matthew, and I don't remember his last name. If you listen, sorry. Um, he was playing our voice. Uh, the way that we all got to describe it was, um, what was our job in the game? He was the voice, which is he's the guy that goes into the bank and says, "Everybody down, we don't want to hurt you." It's basically we're we're not taking your money, we're taking their money, uh, so don't worry, we're not stealing from you. Uh, that was his job. Uh, then there was me. I was playing as the con man, um, just as sleazy as you can think, as a Western con man can be. Um, beside me was uh, Jason Brick. Who played the just the dumb muscle, and he he it was great. Um, then we had uh, Scott Scott Bonner who was doing the um, the demolitions expert, and then uh, that that was, oh, that was it. yeah. Scott was also in the over the wall game uh, in slot three that I was in. So, oh yeah, yeah. Scott's great. Scott Scott's is amazing. Really great. So the the system is extremely simple. It, it's lasers and feelings, but we we alter a little bit. Uh, so in the, the base system, uh, you have lasers and you have feelings. And you have a scale of 2, 3, 4, or 5. And you pick one of those numbers. And then that number is the number you have for the rest of the game. If you want to roll lasers, you have to roll that number or above. Real quick, lasers and feelings correspond to what in this system? Oh, in our system? Uh, it was grit and slide. Okay, and and grit is like... Muscly, brash, out there things. Sly is more like sneaky, underhanded, cunning, cunning things. Okay, yeah. So you've got these two diametrically opposed skills that are represented by the same D six spectrum. Yeah. Basically. So, yeah. so going switching it over to how this one worked. Uh, if you wanted to roll grit, you had to roll higher than your number. If you wanted to roll sly, you had to roll lower than your number. So if you're going to be versatile, you want like a three or four. If you want to be specialized, you want a two or a five. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and by design, we all picked a different number. I was the con man, so my slides are two. 
I was the, the smoothest talking person there, and that comes up. <laughs> um, uh, so, and then we all had uh, another thing he added on was we had to add the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that was just a, a free-form thing. It's like, what's good about you? Or what are you good at? However way you want to interpret what the good means, you write it down. Yeah. So my character was the good at pickpocketing. Because that was my whole idea, was I get into places, I just start taking stuff, and then I use that to help the, the job later on. Um, and then the bad was, for me, it was, I, I'm a sucker for a pretty face. Because that's always a classic one for the Western. Right, and it's a it's a very con man-y kind of a exactly. thing, too. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of put up in the trip in that one. And then I went one step further, which was the ugly, which was uh, obviously a dandy. <laughs> <laughs> so that got really interesting real quick. Um, yeah. Um, so so getting more into the plot. So uh, the, the bank heist happens. Uh, Zeke and I are playing the hostages. We don't have... I, I had dice in front of me, and I was just fidgeting with them. Uh, but, but there's I, nothing for you to roll. There's nothing for me to roll. I had no character sheet. And so, um, should, should I spoil it right now? No, no, no. Go, go through the entire thing. Okay, okay. So, um, so we were hostages, and we were being taken along. And so, on the way out of, of town, we found um, uh, a native guide. Who, and, and so the, the heist guys were like, Take us as far out into the most desert, desert place of the desert you can find. And he's like, all right. And so uh, we, we go through this sandstorm and, and sort, sort of time, as Chad said, time loses meaning. You have no idea when it is, where it is. You have no idea. And you end up in a, a small one-horse town called uh, Cattle, Cattle Skull. Skull. Cattle Skull. And, and there's this Cattle Skull that has like been grown like a, a tree, tree, a tree has grown through a cattle skull, and um, and the tree is bone white, and there's it's this creepy, creepy town. Uh, we go past a blacksmith, and um, uh, something odd is happening with the blacksmith, and we some of us go in and see the blacksmith doesn't use a hammer; he uses his metal fist that has been like fused onto his like upper forearm. And, uh, like, he's just barely got the elbow joint, and, and it's it's creepy looking. It's really too bad that listeners can't see some of the gestures and stuff you guys are using here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of do that. I, I know I'm much more gestury when I'm with Tyler. I, I do that. We sort of build off each other like that. Yeah, I do talk with my hands a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, and so we're like, oh, that's weird. And he talked about a train, how you can almost hear the train coming. And, and so we, we move on from there. We go on to the bar. Yeah, well, a lot of this was also uh, us as a gang constantly trying to get them. It's like, nope, you're coming with us. Stop, you know, stop wandering off. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we they called us like, it, it was very much like, oh, will you take over babysitting duty? Oh, will you, you know, look after the the kids for me sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And, and it was very just like them being very dismissive of us the whole time. Um, like, the hostages. Yeah. We're not going to yeah. humanize yeah. them. Well, <laughs> like you do. That? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, you, as you do. Um, and uh, so, so we get to the bar, and in, in the bar, there's the bartender with a literal golden smile. And he he says, have you talked to Mr. Griff yet? And he's got like this smooth voice. You can't trust him. You can't trust him. Um, 
Seem pretty trustworthy to me. <laughs> Says the con man. Um, you gave me free drinks. Of course I'm going to trust him. <laughs> so, um, we, we, uh, we're sort of, like, confined upstairs as the hostages. We're told, don't talk to anybody, don't, you know, like, just pretend you're with us, pretend you're with us. We're like, fine. Um, and I am told by Chad at this point, if I listen very hard, I can hear the train. And and this sort of became a sticking point for my character. I, I wanted to go home. Zeke's character wanted to go home, and we wanted to go on the train. Um, speeding things up a little bit, unfortunately, the, though this was one of the best games of the convention we have to we, we, we are running up against time a little bit. Um, there is a an almost shootout, an almost kidnapping kind of thing. There's this girl and her... I, I may have stolen some money and caused a little bit of drama. Yeah. <laughs> and when I say stole money, I mean, there's nobody in this town to really steal money from except for the other gang members, so... Yeah. Gambling debt's not, not fun to deal with. No, not at all. Um, and and uh, so, so there's this almost shootout downstairs like there's uh, a, a gang essentially threatening this um, uh, prostitute mother and her child saying we're going to take the child basically like if, if you give her up it will be less painful and, and she's like protecting them and, and um, uh, we, we sort of managed to de-escalate it uh, and, and they go away and say we'll be back soon um, and, and so uh, over the course of time uh Zeke and I are sort of trying to, to make friends with this small family. Um, do you want to explain the the discussion that had to be had? At which point? Uh, the the money one. Okay. The, the so, the money. so the money one, um, there was a whole thing going on where uh, into going starting into the game, um, we had a discussion of how do we split the money? Of course, there's four of us. We had a leader. But the leader uh, died at the uh, at the the bank. Or so they thought. Um, or so you thought. Or so we thought. Yeah. Um, funny enough, we had a fifth player, but they couldn't make it to the slot, so that was the leader who yeah. died. Yeah. Um, and so we uh, went through and, and we we're trying to decide who's got what money because the splits. People thought they needed more money than others. Like for instance, the demolition expert thought he deserved more money because he dealt with explosives than I did, who I went in and talked to him and got the information. Um, and so for the most part, I'm agreeing with him, trying to like be like, no, no, you, you do definitely deserve more, just not a double share. And so we're going back and forth, um, and that's when a uh, <laughs> uh, they notice that uh, they're short $30. <laughs> um, which is what I had done, because the door is unlocked and everyone had left. Uh, what am I going to do? Um, so I start. I, I managed to talk my way out of it. I I locked out hard to yeah. get out of it. Um, but it, it was like, okay, when we start giving up the money, oh no, there's thirty dollars short. What are we going to do? At which point, uh, Jenny here, playing Annabelle, uh, decided. Oh, I don't know. I think you had something going on. It's like, no, I need to leave. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chad showed me a card saying you can hear the train coming. Um, and Zeke also was shown this card, as well as one of the other players who had gotten a really good role and had sort of figured out the puzzle and was able to ask Chad with his critical role a, a question that Chad had to answer truthfully. At this point, we should probably let the listeners in on the whole premise okay. here. 
Right. We're all dead. <laughs> Chad and I, Chad uh, pulled me and, and Zeke aside uh, right at the beginning of the game and told us everything. Because we were innocent bystanders, we knew we were dead. But we were being dragged through literally purgatory uh, with these, these rapscallions. And it was our choice whether to try to help them redeem themselves or try to get revenge on them for having killed us. Um, this was really nerve-wracking because Zeke and I didn't talk about what we were going to do. So I thought Zeke might go the vengeful route. I thought I might go the vengeful route for a little while, but I sort of veered into the redemptive route because it was just what was happening. Um, and, and as the one guy figured out, he realized that we were all dead and he just kept apologizing to us. He, he got himself real drunk and he just kept apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for what happened. Um, Zeke and I were also swore to secrecy about the whole death thing. We couldn't talk about it um, with any of the other players. So... Um, yeah, so that was really interesting. So we heard the train coming. Coming, I say, I'm leaving. They try to restrain me. I'm like, I'm out the no, door. Uh, yeah, what happened was she starts to, to head out, and uh, Chad looks at us and says, well, there's only two ways you can stop her. You got to grab her or you got to shoot her. And uh, uh, Scott looks over at, at Jason and says, hey, go grab her. And as soon as Jason takes one step towards the door, the other guy, that's one that's Matt. drunk, Matt, uh, drunk and, and apologizing profusely, just pulls out two guns on on everybody in the room. It's like, nope, nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> uh, so, which is funny because at the time, Chad was looking over at at uh, Christian and Zeke, and was talking with them. Turns back and sees uh, Matt holding two finger guns out at two people, going. Whoa, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it was less like pointing at, at nobody's leaving. It was like, let her leave. Let her go. Yeah. Don't touch her. And so I'm running to the uh, the uh, the mom and kid because the kid told me earlier, well, while we were establishing a friendship, can you hear the train? I was like, yeah, I can hear the train. Oh, good. Mom can't hear the train. Mom can't hear the train coming. We find out her heart has been removed from her body. She she can't hear the train. She's basically sold herself to the devil, and the devil is named Mr. Grimm. And Mr. Grimm happens to be the man behind the bar with the big golden smile. Um, also at the bar is a, 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 this this guy who's been passed out drunk this whole time, this whole entire time. So so we go by him uh, as as. Uh, we, we head towards the blacksmiths because the mom doesn't really understand what's happening, but she knows that there's an argument happening in the building and that she needs to leave. Um, so we head to the blacksmiths. Uh, the blacksmith happens to be the girl's father, um, and he sold his arm to... to Which is why he's got the hammer hand. why he had the, the hammerhead. So um, uh, we, we all basically are trying to explain to the mom, the train is coming, the train is coming, we have to go, we have to go. Um, and... Jason's Jason. and Matt's character shows up. Yep. And uh, basically, Matt's character is like, we kind of have to take you back to the bar. And Jason's like, we are going back to the bar. And he just basically smacks the uh, the black, the big burly blacksmith with his axe handle, takes him down in two hits. And, and we're basically left trying to help him up. And, and Jason's character drags my my character and Zeke's character out of the blacksmith towards the, the bar again. And I'm, I'm screaming and, and causing a huge ruckus. Um, at this point, uh, other people have sort of like started looking for us. On, on their way back to the bar, they see the bar is filled with a gang. That, the the, the not-so-friendly gang. The not-so-friendly gang. <laughs> and um, that, that had been wronged earlier. 
um, by by Jason. Uh, that there there was a punching, let's call it. <laughs> and um, so so the long story short on that one, uh, there was uh, Matt just shot all through the the side of the building, just riddling everyone inside the bar. Except for Scott, amazingly. Yeah. Um, I think I think Scott close. was. I think they were at the bar. Scott was just in the door. Yeah. So yeah. he just uh, uh, he just riddles the entire place with bullets. Um, and of course, my character peeks in from like behind the door or like the door frame. I look at and I see all these bodies laying on the ground. They're they're gone. And Mr. Grimm is sitting there behind the bar, just polishing the glass, bullet holes, riddled with bullets, riddled with bullets. And they just start the blood starts it's, flowing he back starts into healing. them. And it's and he's just talking to you plain as can be. Um, and uh, to kind of shorten it down a little bit further, um, basically was trying to convince everyone to make a deal with him, to make a deal with the devil, literally in this regard. Yeah. Uh, everyone was pretty smart to say no, except for Jason's character, the big brawly, muscly guy who doesn't know better, but he wants money. And he's got a five and grit. Yep. And he's got a five and grit. <laughs> So when uh, Mr. Graham just pulls out a stack of money and just like, you tell me when to stop. All I want is that little girl. You, all you got to do is bring that little girl to me. You don't have to do anything else to her. You don't have to harm her. You don't have to kill her. You don't have to do anything. Just bring her to me. That's all I want. And Jason's like, right. for, for money? Done. Yeah. Uh, he basically gets transformed into like a demonized version of himself. Yeah. Like, fire fire eyes. eyes. Creepiness all all abound, and uh, we're we're trying desperately to get to the train station on time. At this point, we've sort of most of the way redeemed uh, Scott's character and Tyler's character, which led to some amazing moments. By the way, like as soon as Chad brought the kid into things, I was like, "This is the game where I'm going to cry." <laughs> I, I did cry a little bit. Um, I, I did choke up a couple times, and uh, it, it was very very emotional. But we're just trying to get the kid. To the train station, um, uh, and the who 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 got the devil angry? It was uh, Jason. No, oh, no, actually got... you. Really? Yeah. Oh so, yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, Jason, the demon Jason, uh, is walking down the street, coming after us, and uh, Chad looks at the the two NPCs of, of Jenny and Zeke and says, "You two know exactly what you have to do. Yeah. Otherwise, this is all you, you have failed everything." Yeah. And then points to the three of us, the, the redeemed guys, who basically was like, hey, this is not a good thing. You need to be redeemed right now. Okay, good. You're good. Um, basically looked at us three and says, you know that they've got a mission to accomplish, and if you don't slow him down, you're going to fail. And, and you will miss the train. And you will miss the train. Um, and so we were like, okay, how can we stop this guy? Well, Matt goes in and just unloads bullets into him. Jason takes his uh, axe handle and throws two of those bullets back into Matt. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's not good. I distract him because he's a big, dumb, surly guy. I distract him. He for a second. Two, for a second. He didn't take too kindly to that. Uh, yeah. And I took a axe handle to the face. Uh, I think that they said that I rotated three times in there. Twice. Twice. Okay. <laughs> and then Scott uh, tried to grab the kid and run to the train station. Jason basically just, like, kneecapped him, and uh, he went down. Uh, meanwhile, Zeke and I are dragging the unconscious man out of the bar, and we say no to the devil, and he is enraged, and he grows to, like, ten feet tall, 
busting physically out of the bar, um, and, and the, the, the drunk guy that we have dragged out is the sheriff. He slowly starts to rouse, and then the, the final blow was when the devil screamed, bring me the head of the girl, and said, no, the deal was only for, was for the whole girl. And this goes back and forth for a little while, tempting, tempting, so on and so forth. And, and finally Jason says, no. And the devil just like screams and the sheriff now fully alert, unloads six bullets into him. Bam, 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 bam. And kills off, kills, kills the devil. Which is yeah. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the entire town wakes up and is there with coins over their eyes and showing how they died, like their actual wounds appearing on their bodies. And the train We all arrived. have bullet holes in ours because yeah. we never made it out of the bank. Yeah. And and the train arrives and off steps the boss with his head tilted at a crooked angle. And he walks into the bar. And as we all get on the train, he says Howdy partner. My name's Mr. Grimm. <laughs> the end. And that was it, and that was probably the the best game I played in the whole convention. Straight yeah, up. It was it was insanely good. It was emotional. Yeah, and I love that it turned into a, a redemption story rather than revenge. I'm so happy that happened. Yeah. And it, you know, I had a really good session five too, but I'm sitting here eating dinner with you two, hearing this story, and I'm like, wow, I I missed something really cool there. Yeah. So for my session five, um, slot five, sorry. I was in a second game that Michael Matthews was running and he did Leverage, which is um, the Cortex system, which is also used for Smallville and Marvel Heroes and Firefly and I think some other things. And um, we had uh, a situation where like this corrupt Elon Musk type who's like this big billionaire entrepreneur and is also um, has a Spanish ambassadorship. So he had diplomatic immunity, was trying to basically strong arm this teenage prodigy into designing poisons for him to use to get leverage over some people in South America. And so we went into um, an early scouting expedition revealed that his actual corporate facilities were way too secure for us to do anything there. We walked in and we saw like all of these like ex-military guys just kind of standing around, you know, like high priced Blackwater type of dudes just standing there waiting for something to happen. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we're going to have to do an end run. So we found out he was doing a Ted talk and oh my goodness, did we screw with that Ted talk? <laughs> <laughs> he was slipped a laxative. The building HVAC was messed with his PowerPoint presentation was messed with. The audio was messed with. Um, the person that was supposed to introduce him was headed off and, our grifter went up and introduced him horribly to start things off. And then afterwards, when he predictably had a meltdown and was like threatening to have people killed in the green room, that was live streamed out to the internet. Oh, <laughs> audio and video. And people kept trying to cut the feed and our hacker was like, nope, that's keeps going. Nope. Keeps going. Nope. Keeps going. The whole thing went out. And so, it ended with this guy getting cut off from Spain and charged in the U.S. And then um, our crew to to get money out of this to continue doing like these Robin Hood style jobs. One of the the final flashback thing because flashbacks are important in the Leverage TV show 
was it it showed like our mastermind and one of the other people going and doing like a massive short sale <laughs> on stock for this company. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And then slot six for you and me, Jenny, yeah. was your deck of many things oh, game. Oh, and Tyler. Oh, yeah, and Tyler. All the, yeah, we were all there. That's right. right. Thank yeah. you. No, no, you were, sitting to the, you were sitting right across from me. Uh, it just uh, like GM player, and then it's like, where are we? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like he shot me a couple of times. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> or you shot me a couple of times <laughs> or tried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My armor class was a little high, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so all three of us were in in the same game for the last slot, which works out well for this report. Yeah. But, you know, one other thing, you mentioned Terry Dyer earlier. His One of his kids his was kid, yeah. in the last slot today and the last slot yesterday. And it's really cool to see, like, this new generation starting earlier, like, yeah. showing all this enthusiasm. This was a really engaged kid. I mean, yeah. lots of enthusiasm, a lot of really smart tactical decisions. She could loot bodies like nobody's business. And also had the most amazing luck drawing off the top of that oh deck. Oh my goodness, she didn't get a bad card until like seven cards in, seven rounds into the game. And by that point, she had the means to negate it. Yeah. So I, I think we actually have, have skipped ahead. What was the game? The game was called The Deck of Many Things, in which everybody has a deck of many things and is in an arena and is trying to kill each other. Yep. <laughs> so Jenny was the GM, Tyler and I were players, and then we had Jeff, the aforementioned kid. And Shannon. And Bum. Yeah. And yeah. there was yeah. another guy who was originally signed up at Good Week. Yeah, okay. Um, so I, I did technically have a full-up game. I just wish that, like, I had been warned that this person wouldn't be here so I could, like, scratch up because a lot of people, like, Oh, that sounds like a great game, and weren't able to get in because, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so so uh, the 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 characters all appear in fifteen foot by fifteen foot rooms with a chest in them and one door, and um, in that chest is a set of their preferred armor and weapons that they're proficient in and stuff like that. Uh, no, no magical items, and a small deck of cards in a in a little green bag, and. Uh, the, the decks of cards are the deck of many things, which, for those who don't know, is a, an old D&D item. This has been around since the beginning, um, where over half of the cards are pretty much just awful. Um, they will do terrible, terrible things to you, like rip your soul from your body, or send uh, a devil chasing after you. Or send you off to a pocket dimension never to be seen again. Or... Yeah, stuff like that. And the other, like... 40% of them are pretty, pretty good. Like, you level up twice and get a wondrous item. Yeah. So, um, I had gotten the PDF of the Deck of Many Things from the Deck of Many, which uh, we talked about in the uh, Ottawa Comic-Con uh, report. Um, and so I printed off seven of these decks, one for myself as a reference deck, because I actually changed some of the rules for the way the cards work, just because some of them were clearly meant for a longer-term game. And, like, one of them was like, you lose enough XP to not quite level down. And I was like, nah, you just level down. I'm going to be mean about it. You just lose a level. <laughs> so um, this was very... That happened several time. times in the game, too. It did! Um, so basically all that really meant was you permanently lose, uh, like, one hit one die. Hit of, die yeah. One hit die of your hit points. Yeah. And one hit die. And, and that was about it. Um, and... Um, yeah, so it was this lovely arena battle that took longer 
to like do individual things than I thought it would. I'm also really not, I am very, very new to GMing. This was my third ever game that I've ever GMed. Um, I also didn't anticipate, um, first off, having a new player because uh, Terry's kid, um, she'd never played before. So it was also teaching somebody a, a system that, well, she had played it, but she hadn't played like a fuller version. This, I was trying, this was Jenny's D&D 5e, but Jenny's D&D 5e isn't like lacking for crunch. Right. So, um, it isn't 3.5, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's no 5e still, you know. I I could have done that, but no, I went, I went 5e. I, I did want like somebody to die eventually rather than just like rolling dice and doing charts and stuff like that. So, you know, that's actually an interesting point. Nobody died. That is true. Nobody actually died. People got sucked in the pocket dimensions and souls were ripped from bodies, but nobody actually died. At least by violence. Yeah, by violence. Not, not by yeah. violence. Not by, by, violence. By, by deck of cards many times in creative ways, but, but yeah. yeah. Um, well, not actually that many times, because um, the, the void only showed up three or four times. We were all, except for Terry's kid, on our second or third character by the end of the session. I yeah. think you were on three, the rest of us three. were on well, my, two. My first character was a barbarian that just got three wishes, and it was like, I get all my equipment back because I got lost in ruin. I'm not the chief of my tribe. I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> I had some interesting stuff to do if I had drawn that card that gave three wishes, but I never got the chance. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a pity. But, um, so yeah, basically started off with this crazy magician type of character. Listeners may recognize the Moida mystery voice. A little bit. I, I didn't put too much Moida mystery into it. Moida mystery is basically, this is all about, you know, various kinds of levels of voice cracking. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so this individual who, uh, was, was like, very much like, Play with me. Play my game, please. Uh, and and moving. It was a little creepy. Yeah, please, <laughs> please. And um, so, so basically, they fought for a long time, and I I I had a good time. I had a good time running this one. I will say, I I think I preferred running side because that was so player driven. Um, so I can sit back and watch. <laughs> but um, the 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 deck of many things was just pure chaos. I didn't even have, I had no plans, none. I just went into this, like, I did a lot of prep work with, like, the props and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but but in terms of, of actual plan, I had very little, I came up with a lot of it just, like, the day before the, the game. <laughs> um, there was one, one thing that I didn't actually implement that if I'd added any more cards to this, I would have, like, taken up the table with all the cards. But I got, yesterday, I got a deck of the Bardic spell cards. So I got the Bardic spell book. Uh, and, and I was going to randomly cast spells on people oh, from that spell book. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that would have meant shuffling it. And I, I play a bard on a regular basis. I don't want to shuffle that deck right now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I ended up not doing that and, and just using uh, some of the sample cards that I got from Ottawa Comic Con. I, I used the, the nose of Hecna, yeah. which, which I love. Like, so, so basically, I just made it so that in the initiative, the players just all go first and then the monsters go. And so um, th there, there were... I also made it so that a couple of pillars appeared in the room. That was just like a thing that I thought of off the top of my head. Because uh, I'm like, uh, there's a rogue. I'm going to get the rogue covered. So, um, 
uh, a little later, right around the middle of the game, I'm like, okay, so y'all are just sort of fighting each other, you know, whatever. Um, uh, just this small red sphere appears in the middle of the room. It's got some straps attached to it, and it's just, you know. And then a, a, a round or two later, uh, Tyler's character got kind of close to it, and I'm like, oh, so this little red ball rolls up to you, and it's going up. <laughs> and it's like, giggling evilly. And it's gonna try to latch onto your face. <laughs> so Yay! I, I keep trying to roll to attack, and the nose keeps rolling really low and really badly, so I'm just like, it just sort of like smacks ineffectively against your cheek. It's like, <laughs> does nothing. Evil clown nose trying to be worn. <laughs> yeah, and then at one t- point it tried biting your ankles. It finally latched onto your face, and you used one of your wishes to put it, to attach it to a devil I'd sent after you. Yeah. I got to, by the way, I got to actually do a moment that I'd been waiting for, and I didn't have to do it multiple times because you all drew really similar cards in, like, yeah, one round. Yeah, two people drew flames and I drew rogue, and yeah, all of a so sudden, there's monsters that are chasing after specific players in the game. Yeah, the way I, I did it was I was like, so so uh, you all hear basically the same thing. It's like, like, footsteps running really, really close. And from the ceiling come down these three people, two two devils, one bearded devil, one barbed devil, and uh, just a random NPC. And they all point at their various, you know, people that they've latched onto and say, you, <laughs> I hate you. And I, I just switched characters. I've got this half-orc wizard and this dwarf comes like charging at me. And I'm like, you racist! <laughs> I've never done anything to you. <laughs> yeah, because dwarves hate orcs, you know. Yeah. So it's like yeah, and so I did actually yesterday. I sort of figured out how this sort of would work and how you could quote unquote win. Um, so basically, one of the characters got the vizier card, which is basically like you ask the GM a question. The GM has to answer truthfully and then tell you how you can act on that information. So, uh. Jeff drew the Vizier card and was sucked into the void before he could use it. And then his next character drew the Vizier card, like, first or second? Yeah. First card. And he was like, I know exactly what I'm using this for. You already told, told me this information. I'm going to metagame this. And I was like, fine. Uh, so um, I, I pulled Jeff aside earlier and I was like, so basically in the, the top of, of this room, I, I said that the, the um, roof was, the, the ceiling was basically uh, one-way mirrors. And um, uh, so, so above these one-way mirrors is a very plush, cushy room. And in a chair in that room is an old, sickly, small, small, tiny gnome um, who is basically ruining your lives for his own mother. And the room is filled with his own puppets and dolls sitting in chairs. It was real creepy. Yeah, so um, he got... Uh, the the vizier card. The next uh, card he pulled was the sun, and he, his previous character had gotten a cloak that would let him do dimension door. And so I, this is technically supposed to be done randomly, but the slot was coming to an end. And I'm, like, I'm not doing this randomly. You get the cape. You know what to do. <laughs> Excuse me. And so he teleported up to the room. Um, he shot the creepy old gnome with an arrow, and um, the gnome was like, uh, "I didn't expect this." And uh, the the walls of the arena fell down, 
and the 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 ceiling lifted. Jeff's character was taken away in that pocket pocket dimension. He is now somewhere else. Um, and uh, the the walls fell down, and you were all in the middle of a pristine field. Um, but yeah, there were also some very I will say. Uh, Terry's daughter had some very clever use of spells. At one point, she just wished that all of the enemies of the player characters went away and disappeared. Yeah, and, uh, dropped their loot. And dropped their loot. That was smart. Leaving their loot behind. Yeah, she's, like, if she's that good at this age, like, whatever gaming group she winds up in 10 years is going to be like, yes, this is our new GM. Yes, she was also taking notes the whole time. She used one of her wishes to know what every single card in the deck did. Yeah. She used her break to write them all down. She takes notes for a convention game. Tactical thinking and forethought there was really impressive. Yeah, what a kid. What a kid. Yeah. Terry's kid. Terry's kid. And Terry's a cool dude. Yeah. Also, it was it was funny. She she's playing this character, and her starting alignment is chaotic good, and she drew balance relatively early, which flipped her to lawful evil. Yeah. And she could this this kid just could not even wrap her brain around playing evil. Yeah. And so it was funny, like. Shannon and I were joking. It's like, yeah, I mean, that dark seed just can't take root in that soil. There's yeah. nothing to work with. Yeah. It's like it's like this this little evil, like, you know, seed goes in, like, puts down some roots. It just, like, pops out of the soil and shrivels up and falls over. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, <laughs> it was very good to see. Yeah, that game was a riot. Yeah. In case you couldn't tell, my voice is a little rough. Yeah. Well, and it was it was funny. Like the the thing about this that was cool is it's like this is after she's flipped to evil and she's sitting like to the the chair directly to my left. And the other thing is she was very expressive with her hand gestures. I almost got poked in the eye a couple of times. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she like looks over and. You know, I'm I'm playing this Aarakocra rogue, which I really wish I could have kept playing. After two years of watching um, Chrissy play a rogue in Grant's Colony game, I was like, I know exactly what to do with this. And unlike Aster, I can fly. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but um, she, like, looks at me and I'd taken some damage because actually... Uh, you, Tyler, you'd hit me with a hold person while I was aloft. Yeah. So I fell 20 feet and took some damage from the fall. And she looks at me and she heals me first. And then she's like, can we work together? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was less, can we work together? Yeah. We're friends now. Yeah, right? yeah. It was, it was like, but it's like, here's a gesture of good faith. Now I'm going to tell you what I want. Yeah. You know? And honestly, with the players that I had, I was at one point expecting you guys to band together against this mysterious voice from the ceiling. Well, I was going to start pushing it that way with the wizard because I, I, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I can definitely team up with her and I'll bet we can start getting some, you know, like um, your mom's character was good aligned. It's like, okay, you know, we've got three characters that are going to, yeah. It's not going to be hard to convince the other two of the three band up because yeah. then it's like three against two. And and I did say at the beginning um, that you can choose your own alignments um, yeah. because the random character generator that I found, um, which I highly recommend, it did lead to some things that weren't necessarily balanced for this game in particular. But um, like find familiar is not yeah. especially a useful. Yeah, spell. I had a bunch of non-combat spells as that wizard and like no weapons or anything. I was like, 
uh, what am I going to do here? And then I pulled the the idiot, which reduced my <laughs> primary spellcasting stat all the way down to 11. It's like, well, I'm totally nerfed. If that game had kept going, I would have just charged into some monsters and tried to get another character. Because yeah. it's yeah. like, I don't, this guy's ineffective, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that it's a bad character, utility wizard. Yeah. That's just what I rolled. But not not so great in, like, an arena. An arena, no. So, so, yeah, but no, I I think we should put that character generator in the show notes, because it's, it's been pretty solid. Yeah. Um, just for, like, random characters. Like, that's what I was using for the uh, NPCs and for the, the knights, the knight cards that got drawn. Oh, by the way, I am very proud of the miniatures I made. I made little paper miniatures with stick figures. That I thought were pretty. Take some, take some pictures, and we'll see yeah. if we can link those somehow in the yeah. show notes. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll probably post them on my Instagram then. Yeah, it. so that'll work. But yeah, so that was my slot six, and I had a great time. And now we're sitting here at the dreary at like one in the morning, all yeah. bleary eyed. Yeah, we yeah. should all probably go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we still got a little bit of a drive to get back to our. We do. Dreary. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> Well, thanks right. for joining us. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks. Uh, this long, uh, long bonus episode. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we should be back next time with a, a regular episode. So thanks for joining us, folks. And we will see you next time. See ya. Bye. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution share alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilore.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.